1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And
0: Miami in the lead. White going long to Hill. Out of bounds at the five-yard line. A great throw and a perfect catch. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the podcast network for professional podcasters. I'm Paul Catalina, alongside former Cowboys quarterback Danny White. Of course, our show brought to you by Bet Online. And if you're in into- a sports betting bet online is where you should go to win money today whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship bet online has all the latest odds news and info for all your online sports betting needs visit the website today or use your mobile device and receive 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next big game head over to bet online and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts and danny we are inching closer towards the season the cowboys have one more pre season game uh, against Jacksonville uh, before they make their final cutdowns and get ready for the opener against Tampa Bay uh, my biggest concern right now would be backup quarterback as someone who's had to live that life and it was a different era then where you could have a Roger Staubach and a Danny White or uh, you know uh, the, the different quarterbacks that 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 Gil Brandt you know put on the team over the years where you had steady backup somebody who could be a starter in the league elsewhere it's not. Not that way now, and with Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert, I am not supremely confident in that position.
1: Yeah, well, you know, which is why I loved the situation they ran last year, and they were able to steal Andy Dalton off the free agency list, and and um, uh, you know ended up ended up almost getting them in the playoffs, and should have had Andy stayed healthy. But um, no, that's that's the risk that a lot of teams are taking nowadays. Um, but it is certainly one. And then maybe the Cowboys are uh, further into that boat than most teams. I've said, and I believe that Dak Prescott might be the most valuable player to his team in the league because with him, they may not lose a game. Without him, they may not win a game. Um, And it's it's that drastic so we'll see. we got one more preseason game to play. I thought Garrett Gilbert has handled. It. I thought I think both guys have handled themselves. Well. Cooper had a tough situation last week to try to bring him from behind. and to his credit, he uh, he tried to win the game. He tried to get him back in it rather than trying to keep from turning the ball over or protecting his own quarterback rating. And I have seen, quote, unquote, elite quarterbacks, which I would take off the elite list for this very reason. I have seen them throw balls, a Hail Mary ball out of bounds, for instance. All he's doing is trying to keep from throwing another interception and affecting his quarterback rating rather than giving his team a chance to win the game. And I've seen that happen. Cooper Rush did not do that to his credit. And um, so that's a that's a check mark in the right column for him. But both guys have played pretty well. I'm not sure exactly where uh the coaching staff sits on those guys, but I think this last game will probably determine. Who the backup is?
0: I think the only thing for me about Cooper Rush is you could tell that, look, you know, he is not he does not have a laser rifle arm. Uh, in fact, I think that's probably his biggest limitation. But he can do everything you need him to do. Garrett Gilbert's got a much better arm and and probably a little bit more experience. So I just you, you wonder. You know, with the backup quarterback in today's NFL, you want a guy who can win you, you know, three games out of five if the quarterback's out for five games. You don't, you don't necessarily need a guy to come in and do exactly what Dak Prescott's going to do. I'm not, I'm just not sure between those two guys that's what they'd have. And and Ben DiNucci probably needs to spend time on on a practice squad to to you know wrangle himself in a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, and and that's that's a good point. He needs more reps. Um, but again, you know, it, it goes back to when, when you bring a backup quarterback in. What's he surrounded with? I, you know, I'm I'm constantly amazed at at the way people in the media talk about quarterbacks as if they are going to single handedly win or lose a football game. Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert, either one, could step in a game and win the game if he were if they were surrounded by the right people particularly starting with the offensive line, if they're getting protected and if they have a threat to run the football, those are the two things that a quarterback needs, in my opinion, more than anything else, Ahead of receivers. He does need receivers that can get separation and give him a target to throw to, but before that can happen, he's got to be protected. And he's got to have a defense that's off balance. and And that means a running game, And good protection up front. And I think whoever the Cowboys' backup is, again, barring injuries, they should have that.
0: Well, and look, Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, had a rough sh- a go of it the early on because he didn't step in behind the offensive line that when he signed the contract, he thought he was going to get to play if Dak Prescott got hurt. I mean, it was, it was n- no Lyle Collins and no Tyron Smith, and then eventually no Zach Martin. Uh, and again, if, if I signed up again on the cheat for the Cowboys, I think if I'm going to play, I'm not going to get hit that much. And especially early in the season for, for Andy Dalton, all he did was get hit. So it wasn't really a fair shake to say that Andy Dalton had a, a bad go of it because you know he didn't have near as much time to to do what he needed to do the running game wasn't you know Zeke Elliott wasn't didn't have the holes and he was fumbling last year yeah I agree with you I think things will be different one of the things I do think about with Cowboy fans I think the recent past they were very traumatized with the season that had Matt Castle and Brandon Whedon as backup quarterbacks but again you mentioned the running game and all that uh, that probably just exposed that the team around Tony Romo before he got hurt wasn't as good as everybody. Thought it was when those two guys had to step in and play.
1: Yeah. And then that shows up usually too, when it's too late to do anything about it. But, but you're right about Andy. I think if Andy were to play with the Cowboys offensive line and receivers and running game that the Cowboys have right now, the results would be very different. Andy's a very capable quarterback. I hear, I hear all kinds of garbage coming out of uh, Chicago and, and, um, you know about about him getting booed, and you know it's it's ridiculous um, because he's a quality quarterback, and I think I think time will prove me out um, when it comes to that. Although he's he may be running out of time a little bit, but but uh, he's Andy Dalton's a quality quarterback.
0: Well, and, and look, to your point, you, you uh, had mentioned to me earlier uh, about Trevor Lawrence when we were talking off the air. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is stepping in as the first overall pick in the draft. He has nothing but expectations on him. Urban Meyer's first pick as a professional coach and all of those things that are coming on to Trevor Lawrence. The one thing I worry about for Trevor Lawrence long term is I don't want to see him wind up as David Carr, a perfectly capable quarterback who was thrown in behind a bad line and then develops bad habits because they're, for lack of a better term, shell shocked for the rest of their career.
1: Yeah. And that happens. That happens. I mean, I watched, I was concerned about that when Troy, um, came in, you know, and, and I thought it was a mistake to start him his rookie year. And, and, uh, and he took a tremendous meeting, but Troy was strong enough, capable enough, to overcome it, not let it get to him. But shell shock is something we've seen. We're watching Carson Wentz go through that right now. It's going to be really interesting to see how he comes out of this thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Trevor Lawrence. I like him as a quarterback. He's got a lot of talent. But he is going to be under a lot of pressure. All you had to do was watch the first two series of that game Monday night uh, against New Orleans. And there was no question who was going to win that game. It was going to be the team that controlled the line of scrimmage. And that clearly not just pass protection, but the running game uh, It clearly was the new Orleans saints, um, the new Orleans saints uh, watch out for them because whoever's that quarterback um, is going to do well. They're going to put up some good numbers. Trevor Lawrence does not have that. And I hope, I hope he's cautious um, I hope he's not going out there, you know, throwing caution to the wind and winning, uh, trying to get first downs at all costs, including his own body, because he simply does not have the, the offensive line. And, and that's not a knock on Urban Meyer, because you don't do this. You don't you don't change a culture. You don't turn a team around in one year. There's a juggling act that goes on now. The way the NFL is structured, you get your quarterback and then you've got five years. To build the, the system around him before you're going to pay out the big bucks, and you got to decide whether he's your franchise quarterback or not. But in the meantime, now they've got to go out and get the offensive linemen, get the receivers. He had no receivers to throw the ball to the other night. None of them were getting any separation, um, and that's another thing you've got to have. Um, he, he just even when he did buy time with his legs, which he had to do. He still didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. No, and, and,
0: you know, used to be in the NFL, I think about Steve McNair sat behind Chris Chandler and, and I think for and Bucky Richardson for even for a season uh, when he was with the Oilers and eventually the Titans, he sat and waited. A lot of guys, look, uh, you know, I know Roger Staubach didn't really sit and wait. He was in the Navy. Uh, but, you know, before you were a starter, you were behind Roger Staubach for a while. Those 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 years used to be valuable and sometimes longer for other people, but now they're thrown right to the, Troy was thrown right to the Wolves. Paid Manning, your first pick in the draft, throwing right to the wolves, and it worked out for those guys. But there are guys, you know, that you could. There are many more guys that didn't work out for because the team wasn't even close to being built around them uh, that was gonna gonna protect them. You have to overcome so much more than just your own limitations and ability.
1: Well, and and, and the uh, the ability for offensive coaches to get a quarterback ready to play in the national football league is light years ahead of what it was when I played. Um, It's, it continues to get better. I mean, guys that are picked in the top, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, they, 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 they get them ready to play right away and they do a great job of it. Um, And the most important thing is not, you know, not to turn the ball over. Um, and and they do a great job of that, much better than they used to do. And and so these guys today are uh, uh, getting ready to play right. They're getting they're getting 20 years out of a 20 year career. I got five out of a 13 year career, and that's the difference.
0: How how much do you think part of that is that uh, offensive coordinators now. Want to know much or are much more interested in offenses from every level of football now that they're, they're the college offenses are not necessarily in the NFL, but the concepts of them are in there so that guys can come in and make an immediate impact. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, at least for uh, you know, a co- coach quarterback marriage as far as offensive scheme, are, are kind of perfect for each other in that they, they can do that right away. Now, defense for Arizona is another thing, but they can score points right away because there wasn't a nobody tried to make Kyler Murray anything he wasn't which I think was a problem in the NFL for a little while they would draft somebody and say well we're going to make him do this well he was never doing that before you're trying to make him something else
1: yeah and 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 sometimes you have to and I I still think that uh that Lamar Jackson is uh I, I don't think he's going to have a great career. I, I just don't in, in the NFL. And Kyler Murray is a guy that uh, I think the jury's still out on him. I think the league has figured him out a little bit. Um, he's a guy that you got to keep in the pocket. And as long as you do, he's going to struggle as he did at the end of the season last year. And, and uh, you know, the elephant in the room with him is he's not, he's not tall enough to see over some of those guys and, and nobody wants to talk about it, but but it's an issue. And he's a great runner. He's a great athlete. Lamar Jackson's the same way. And the running quarterbacks, I think, are just becoming more and more of a dinosaur. You just don't see them winning championships um, because they can run. Uh, a guy like Tom Brady, a guy like Peyton Manning, they're stuck in the pocket. They're not going to run anywhere. and And they know that. And as a result, the only way to get out of running is to do your homework, study during the week, know what they're gonna play on third and five from the 40 yard line with a four point lead. And you know all that kind of stuff goes into that computer brain. That's why I still believe that the most important test they have at the combine is the Wunderlich test to try to figure out how, how good the guy is at making decisions and making quick decisions. Now that to me is the most important factor uh, it, to playing quarterback in the NFL, it's the intangibles much more than it is the tangibles
0: with running quarterbacks. Now, Dak Prescott's a running quarterback, but uh-huh. but 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 he though, it seems to me, especially especially even early on his rookie year, the Cowboys Jason Garrett made a point not to just make him a running quarterback.
1: Like, well, you, see, you can say that, that that Aaron Rodgers is a running quarterback, yeah. but he's not, mm-hmm. neither is Dak. They run if they have, they can run, yeah. If they have to, and that's the key, that's the key. It's one, two, three, run. It's not one run. And a lot of these guys today, if that first guy's not open, they're out of there.
0: Yeah. Well, and then Dak, like, if you watch him, their design runs for him are on very specific situations. You know, it's oh, yeah. it's got to be, like, and, and it's I think most of the time it's audibled into, and it's not called... You know, from the sideline, it's just that's what they're going to do. And with the other guys, you said they're like with Lamar Jackson, they're calling design quarterback runs multiple times a game.
1: Right. Right. And and he again, like I say, if that first guy's not open, he knows what a great runner he is. Um, and I think as time goes on and he gets later in his career, that's that's going to happen less and less and less. Um, but I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the designed quarterback runs. We, I watched a game the other day where, um, my gosh, there were quarterback draws being run all over the place and there was no way. Well, it was the Arizona game against, against the Cowboys Mm -hmm. and Arizona was running all those quarterback draws. And I thought, you know, what? they're not going to do that, they're not going to do that in the regular season with Tyler, he'll run if he has to. But if they're smart, they're not going to run all those designed quarterback draws and options and things like that because uh, it's just not, he's not your best runner, shouldn't be your best runner. And he, he's not equipped with the shoulder pads, the helmet, uh, the protective equipment to run the football in the NFL like those running backs are.
0: Yeah, Kyler Murray is also like, he might be, he's he's a strong guy, but he's not a big guy, and even the big guys, there's only so many hits everybody has in them. You know, that's why the big guys maybe last a little bit
1: longer. Uh, Exactly, and and quarterbacks especially, and the way the rules are today, as long as you stay in the pocket, you're not going to get hit, at least not the kind of hit that's going to take you out. They can't hit you below the waist. They can't hit you above the shoulders. They can't hit you with their helmet. Um, you know, so just stay in the pocket and take a sack and you'll be fine. It's when you get out of the pocket and start running downfield and become a running back that uh, they have an open shot at you. And you just got to avoid those situations. And coaches today are, are smart about that, and they'll grill it into you. Could
0: uh, a referee have explained to Jack Lambert or Mean Joe Green that you could only hit here? <laughs> Could they have explained that effectively?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would. I would love to be a fly on the wall when they did that, because um, uh, because they would not. They would not take it. Those guys. I look at a guy like Cliff Harris, who just went into the Hall of Fame. Cliff could not have played in the league, in my opinion, with the rules that we have today, because Cliff made a living hitting people with the top of his helmet. I mean, that you just did not want to go into Cliff. He'd get anywhere around Cliff, you know, with the ball in your hands or going for the ball um, because you were going to get his helmet right between your second and third rib. Uh, and it would probably take you out for the rest of the game. But a lot of the guys that played when I did played under those kind of rules. And that's... Uh, but in today, I, I feel sorry for a lot of these defensive players today because they're just hamstrung. Guys... Guy jumping for a ball, he's up in the air over over the middle, and what are you supposed to do? Just you got to let him catch the ball, and come down and hit him with your shoulder, you know. And um, it's uh, it's not quite the same game it used to be.
0: Yeah, my uh, I remember my, my dad one time asked me like what uh, when he heard the hit on a defenseless receiver, and uh, he said I thought they were all supposed to be defenseless. <laughs> like I thought that was the the point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it really has the definition of a defensive back, of a linebacker is uh, very different today.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of, of defense, Dan Quinn so far in this preseason, uh, I'm not sure how good, the, I mean, obviously we won't know until they play real games with the with the guys that they, they want in their starting lineup, regularly rotating through and all that. I'm not sure how good they're going to be. I know that they don't have to be that much better than they were last year for them to win more games because the offense should be really, really good. What have you seen from Dan Quinn so far in instituting his defense? It seems like it there are some some natural fits they have with personnel there.
1: Well he's he's very creative and but you know the the, the key component to his defense is going to be Tank Lawrence. And until until Tank's on the field, you know, rushing the quarterback, making plays Uh, It's going to be hard to tell the real interesting what's the most interesting part of the game against Tampa is going to be who lines up to start the game at linebacker. Is it going to be, um, you know, the three guys that Jalen Smith and, and uh, you know, the three guys that have, we all expect to play, but you know, Jabril Cox is coming on. Um, It's going to be interesting to see who's, who's there because they, they're very athletic at the linebacker position. Uh, they can fly all over the field and make plays, but the, the guys in the middle, the three and the one technique, have got to keep the linemen off of the linebackers. They can't let them get downfield and cut off those linebackers, especially the middle linebacker. Those guys have got to be free to run to the ball. And as long as they do that, see, they didn't have that last year. And and they were hoping with Neville Gallimore to be able to have it this year. And Neville is not going to be there to start the season, and um, that hurts. So we're going to have to have a couple of guys step up and play in the middle. And right now, that's the biggest unknown in my mind as far as the run game goes. We've got some issues in the secondary. Maybe. Maybe not. They might have a great secondary. Um, but I think there are some issues up front in terms of stopping the run.
0: Yeah, I, I know they like Oso Odigizua, but he's a rookie. Uh, Tristan Hill is just now getting back, and yeah. he's he's had a tumultuous uh, beginning to his Cowboys career. I mean, up the middle really, really uh, is the the thing. And that was, you know, before the secondary played so poorly last year, you know, I, I don't know if they they really even – you know, would have been an afterthought most of the time because if you think back to that Cleveland game, Cleveland quit throwing the ball halfway through the second quarter. You know, really, and just running it right down their throats. They didn't have to throw the ball to win the game, and in the you know, I, I would if I was any team, I would love to not to have to throw the ball and just run straight at you all game long. And the Cowboys couldn't stop the run from any direction last year. And if that's not better, then that defense isn't going to be better enough to get them to the, the place that they they believe they can be to match their offense, which which everyone expects to be prolific.
1: Yeah, you 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 just got to have the ability to force a team to throw the ball and to, and to throw it when you know they're going to throw it. Um, not to throw it at their option, but at your option. Uh, that's what stopping the running game does for you. And, and guys like, like Brent Urban and Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong is going to be a key for them. Um, Justin Hamilton is going to be a key for them. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be able, and you were right again about Cleveland and anytime a team can run the ball and you know pick up five, six yards on first down, that's what they're going to do. They stay in a run situation the entire time. And by that, I mean, they have the option of throwing or running. You don't end up in a third and, and five plus yards where the, the odds are you're going to throw the ball. Um, and if you can do that, you, you're way ahead of the game. And teams did that against the Cowboys last year. So, so this is going to be a real important – to me, the most important down is going to be first down. you are going to have to put them in a second and nine-plus – Situation, um, and then they're ahead of the game. So first down is going to be a key for the Cowboys this year.
0: Yeah, I, I can't imagine a more disheartening situation for a defense than that Cleveland game where okay, Nick Chubb's running all over you, and then he gets hurt. Kareem Hunt runs all over you, and then they say, "Well, well, let's take him out because we're in control of this game." And then here's the guy we called up from the practice squad this week, and he's going to run all over you too. I mean, and that was <laughs> that was a rough, rough week. And it was it wasn't just like that, but that was the the microcosm of their season was that. Cleveland game to me on defense.
1: Yeah, it was it was embarrassing, and I think it it uh, I, I think it put the light right where it needed to be on the Cowboys defense and what was wrong with the Cowboys defense. And everybody realized after that game that until the Cowboys figure out a way to stop the run, the end results are not going to change. Uh, it affected it affected the the passing game. It affected the offense, the special teams. It affects. When you let a team run on you, it affects every other aspect of the of the team, and that's exactly what happened to the Cowboys last year. And, and something that they, I think they finally realized uh, after that game.
0: Yeah, I, I think it had been kind of hidden because teams, if you look back over the the, the couple years before then, they'd had a couple games like against the Rams in the postseason where the Rams ran ran right at them, and that was the game plan. But a lot of teams they play. Uh, either because of personnel or just the situation matching up on offense, seemed to try to, to match the Cowboys in. Okay, well, the Cowboys can score a lot, you know, so we're going to try to match that. And so they didn't run right at them. Well, the Rams in the playoffs a couple years ago kind of exposed them before maybe everybody realized it when they said, no, we're just going to run right at them the whole time because we don't think they can stop it and they couldn't. And it just took a couple of years for the Cowboys to go, oh, this wasn't just that night. This has been a thing that's been festering.
1: As long as teams run the ball on you, you're not going to score 30 points, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's what teams figured out—the Rams and others—is let's just run the ball. And as long as we're effective running the ball, they're not going to be on the field enough to score 30 points. And uh, even if they score every time they have the ball, uh, that was the—that's stra- what the strategy became, and it was successful against the Cowboys all right one
0: more issue that I wanted to talk about before uh, we go I, I I wonder I mean this you didn't have I don't think you guys had this the league now has this like 10 days between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season and, and maybe a little less for the Cowboys because they they play on Sunday and then they start again earlier than everybody else is the first game but uh how much is that going to help this first team offense that has not been all together on the field in a preseason game at all and won't uh, because the first action that the first team offense is going to see all together is, you know, when they play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers uh, to open the season, how much will this 10 days help to get them in that rhythm uh, that they, they haven't really had because Dak's been, you know, limited in training camp.
1: Well, yeah, that's going to be a big advantage for the Cowboys and, and um uh when when you look, I don't know how Jerry does it, but they, they got they got the Hall of Fame game, which was an extra preseason game for them, coming off a COVID year where they didn't have any, um, with with a new coach, a new defensive coordinator, huge, huge to play that extra preseason game. Now the league goes to skipping a weekend before from, from training camp to the regular season. Um, but they give the Cowboys the Thursday night game. So now instead of two weeks and then a week, they get 10 days and 10 days. And I think as a coach, I, I would take the latter any day of the week. Um, because now I've gotten that extra time before each game. Two weeks before a game, you're going to end up sitting around wondering what to talk about. Coaches end up outsmarting themselves when they have that much time. That's why I've always been hated the two weeks before a Super Bowl. The coaches just start th- overthinking things, and that's what could happen to start this season. I'm glad. I think it's an advantage, a big advantage for the Cowboys to have ten days and ten days versus fourteen and, and seven, and so again the Cowboys come out ahead. It's like the Thanksgiving Day game, you know, playing at home. It's a huge advantage every year. I don't care what anybody says. This deal, they get the extra playoff game. Ten days, ten days. The preseason could not have worked out schedule-wise any better for the Cowboys. Yeah,
0: and, and look, they, they didn't play anybody you'd, you'd really have heard of in that Hall of Fame game, but for an assessment for the coaching staff, that had to be, I mean, a, a huge bonus.
1: The thing I'm concerned about for the Cowboys is they're going from um, Houston and Jacksonville, two of, the, two of the worst programs in the league, especially defensively. To the world champions who are not losing a single player, that's that, that that's a big difference. And uh, not that it's going to matter to Dak or to Zeke or to the guys that are not playing, but it's going to be a big difference scheme wise. The thing I would be concerned about right now, if I'm the Cowboys coaches, we got to keep their confidence up. They haven't won won a game haven't won a preseason game, I think it's going to be important for them to win this game more so than it would be normally in a preseason game against a team like Jacksonville. I think this week it is important because that stuff can get in your head. You go 0-4 into the regular season against the world champions and even though they're preseason games and to me, they don't mean a thing except that your third string is better than their third string. That's all it means. Those guys aren't on the team anyway, but Psychologically, it can get in your head. We're 0-4 going up against the world champions, you know, and I don't think the Cowboys want that. I'd rather win this last game.
0: I I absolutely would, too. Well, Danny, thanks a lot. We'll do it again next week. Please like and subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. here on the Believe Podcast Network. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina alongside former Cowboys quarterback Danny White. Until next week, everybody, we're brought to you by betonline.ag. Have a great week.